Hello and welcome back to the Future Healthcare Today podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Tierney, and today we are talking about one of the newer innovations in the healthcare industry, that being the reference-based pricing network replacement model. Now, for those who may not know the intimate details of this, the major idea is that while PPOs have been a long-standing part of the healthcare industry for good reason, the ongoing evolution of healthcare invites us all to consider different possibilities. Created with the more modern healthcare industry in mind, the reference-based network replacement model has an intrinsic emphasis on an open access mentality which can benefit members, payers, and providers. Allow me to introduce two individuals who together have forgotten more about healthcare than I can ever hope to learn, Mary Pykuch and Eric Russell. Mary is the Senior Vice President of Product Strategy at Payer Compass, whose two decades in the industry more than qualifies her to be an expert on the healthcare customer experience. And Eric is the Director of Network Operations at Zealous, with a decade of experience building solutions designed to provide engaging and intuitive interactions for everyone across the healthcare industry. Mary, Eric, thank you both very much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here and talk to you and share our experience with reference-based pricing. Yes. Hey, Kevin, thanks for having us. Looking forward to our discussion today. So to start us off, Mary, you kind of heard me do a little bit of an introduction there to the concept. I'm, I'm sure I didn't do it its full justice. So to start us off, can you, in your own words, explain, you know, what is a reference-based pricing network replacement model? Yes, reference-based network replacement model is really providing members with an open access health plan. Uh, Oftentimes, traditionally, folks are used to having a PPO network where there's a directory, and you can only go to those providers in the directory. Otherwise, you incur further costs or cost share to the member. An RBP plan really makes it where a member can go to whatever provider they want to go to um, and know that what the reimbursement method or um, amount is already known, not only to the member, but to the provider. So from an RBP perspective, you eliminate the need for very costly PPO contracts, um, which often run well over 400% of Medicare, and in some cases, and like to 1500 or 2000% of Medicare, which is exorbitant for, you know, a same provider that will accept an RBP um, reimbursement at around 200% of Medicare or maybe a little under that. So really it's an open access health plan. Members can go wherever they want. Um, It's really important that you support them with the tools so they understand quality, how how to search for quality and price. Um, and really be educated when they go into their provider's office so that they feel good about the care they receive and what it costs them. So RBP network replacement means there is no network. It's open access healthcare plan with a predictable reimbursement methodology. Eric, with all that in mind, I guess my next question would be, you know, what is a typical RBP use case? Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, the folks making the decision on the plan type and if reference-based pricing is a good fit or not are doing so with the member in mind and how that member gets the best care. The three kind of most common types of users that we are talking with uh, or use cases that we're interacting with would be third-party administrators, TPAs, uh, employer groups, and brokers. TPAs and employer groups are interested in RBP so that they can find the best fit savings model while providing quality care options, just like Mary mentioned, 
for that specific member set or members involved. Brokers, when we interact with brokers, we're often helping with uh, education uh, and providing tools for the brokers. Brokers serve a wide variety of clients and to successfully pair clients to the best solutions, brokers need many flavors of plan and saving options and RBP is a great um, uh, component to that full set offering that brokers may be looking uh, to put together to help members and plan decisions. So Mary, something we've referenced twice now is this idea that the reference-based pricing model can lower costs differently than a traditional PPO model. So I'm just wondering, can you explain, you know, what those differences are and, you know, why one might be better than the other for, you know, a member or health plan? Yeah, so RBP reimbursement methods, so the way in which providers get paid from an RBP are often rates that are based off of traditional CMS Medicare rate. So really, it's taking away the PPO contract. Say, for example, you go into a provider, you need to get an MRI. An MRI can cost sometimes if you go into a facility for anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000. However, you know, in an RBP perspective, we're always educating the member to understand where to get the same quality of care, but not have that that exorbitant $1,500 or $3,000 for an MRI, as long as they get an MRI. So they can go to other facilities that maybe accept RBP, um, and it may only cost them $350 for an MRI. So it's really, it's really taking out the PPO contracts, which are often driving up the reimbursements to the provider, and it trickles down to the member and what they're responsible for. Now, from an RBP perspective, again, it's based on CMS Medicare basis reimbursement rates, and it's not at 100% of Medicare. It's usually anywhere up to 200% of Medicare, which is a fair reimbursement for healthcare services because CMS has already done the homework on what it costs for different services. It changes by locality, provider types. So it really is making sure that it's rational um, consumption of healthcare services. So it's a lot like shopping. So if, if a member can look online to see what the quality of the provider is, if they accept RBP, and if they meet the qualifications or the criteria for the member, they can make the decision to go somewhere else. And in, in turn, that's driving down the cost of healthcare versus just going to the hospital where the doctor said, you know, go across the street, go to the hospital. But really taking into consideration, I have control of my healthcare, I have control of my finances, and I can get the same service at a different location. Therefore, you're really, you know, impacting um, your medical concerns and, and driving down the cost. The other piece here is a lot of education to the member. It's not simply giving them a directory. It's making sure they're aware of what reimbursement methodologies are and what the impact of the cost is to them. It, you know, the difference in, you know, a cost share of $30 versus $300, that's significant to your average medical consumer. So it's really bringing awareness um, to members so that they can make good choices. Long-time listeners will know what to expect with this next question. Uh, as always, in anything to do with healthcare, we have to discuss the no Surprises Act and some of the impacts that it's had on how the healthcare industry operates. 
So Mary, I'm going to stick with you for this one. How does the NSA impact surprise or balanced billing? And is reference-based pricing a solution to minimize these increased costs? Yeah, the No Surprises Act is really put in place to protect all consumers, regardless of the plan that you're on. It does apply to RBP plans. So remember that No Surprises Act comes into play when a member incurs a medical service that was out of their control, like they couldn't pick the provider, they couldn't pick the hospital they went to. In the case of an emergency, um, they just have to go to the nearest emergency room or uh, a media care center In that case, the member needs to be protected. The provider needs to be reimbursed for their services equitably. It also applies when a member does their homework and really goes to a provider that accepts their health plan, such as an RBP provider. And say, for example, you're going in for a knee replacement. You find your orthopedic doctor. You also, the member also makes sure that the facility is accepting. They've done their homework. They've done their due diligence. But oftentimes there's other ancillary providers that are part of that course of care, such as an anesthesiologist. And in that case, the NSA says, member, you're going to be protected. You did your homework. You made sure that your provider and your facility were accepting. You can't control some of these other providers. Providers and therefore, provider, you'll get paid equitably as if you were an accepting, participating provider of the health plan. So, um, and, and, and it works the same way in the PPO plans. It's really a protection for uh, the member so that in the case of uncontrolled expense, such as an emergency, or a provider that participates in a course of care where you didn't get to pick them, um, therefore, uh, those providers get reimburse equitably. And so there, the next piece of play that comes into here is the qualified payment amount. So those providers that are providing these emergency services or they're in an ancillary provider to a course of care, um, you have to treat them. The, the plan has to treat them as if they're a participating provider. And so there's a, a formula or calculation that goes along with uh, calculating a QPA so that those providers get reimbursed uh, equitably, I call it, um, in, in alignment with what the health plan would have reimbursed had the member been able to uh, choose the provider uh, and had the opportunity to be accepting. Now, if the member decides, hey, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm just going to the you know, this really popular orthopedic doctor at this, you know, prestigious hospital, you know, and it, that's kind of reckless with your healthcare, number one. Number two is you're not protected then for all these anal, uh, ancillary providers because you didn't do your due diligence as a, a member to say that I went to a participating provider. So in that case, um, you're not protected. Uh, and that, that that's, you know, if you went for the knee surgery and you went to a really you know, just popular orthopedic doctor at a prestigious hospital, and it was not participating in your plan, uh, that doesn't qualify for NSA protection. It really is there for those members that you really did your did your homework, uh, pick providers that were accepting of your plan, um, and then there were some uncontrolled expenses. So uh, NSA is really, it, it, it's, it's um, plan agnostic, the type of plan agnostic. It really comes into play to protect the consumer when they can't control um, where they're getting their healthcare services from in certain circumstances. While there is much more to be said about the benefits of a reference-based pricing model, that is sadly all the time we have for today. 
Join us in our next episode as we dive more into the specifics of how RBP benefits providers, what TPAs specifically need to look for in an RBP solution, and how recent movements across the healthcare industry will change RBP for the better. To learn more about the best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for using innovative technologies to address the healthcare industry's most pressing challenges, please visit futurehealthcaretoday.com. I've been your host, Kevin Tierney, and until we talk again, so long.